The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living. On October the 8th of 2009, we all heard of the Sweat Lodge disaster in which James Arthur Ray led three people to their deaths after a week of fasting and sleeplessness, and 19 were hospitalized. These people were purported to have paid almost $10,000 each for this week, called a spiritual warrior retreat, in which they were supposed to receive assistance that would aid them in their attainment of spiritual aspirations. Instead, some died and others were injured, due not only to the crowded sweat lodge, but to the reported starvation and sleep deprivation that occurred beforehand, as well as the verbal abuse that reportedly took place all during the week. And, of course, this brings Jim Jones and Jonestown to mind, as well as David Koresh and several other cult leaders. So what is it about the teacher who leads people to their deaths? What makes a charlatan, and why do we follow them? Our guest today is going to help us answer some of these questions. Counsel the victim, help one person. Counsel the guru gone bad, help hundreds, if not thousands, says Shava Aima, guru, guru interventionalist. A psychotherapist formerly specializing in trauma treatment and addiction recovery, Shava Aima can tell you how to discern true teachers of enlightenment from fake gurus seeking money and power. Shava is an ordained minister and founder of the nonprofit Enlightened Life Sanctuary in Austin, Texas. She spent 14 years studying a wide variety of Eastern and Western esoteric traditions. Her upcoming book, In the Shadow of the Guru, Spiritual Empowerment and the Dark Side, is based on her years in India studying and getting to know many gurus. The book reveals techniques used by Eastern and Western gurus to recruit and keep followers. Shiva is not only a guru buster. As a trusted teacher in mind, body, and spirit movement, she has counseled both gurus and their followers to help them recover from trauma, addiction, and ego power issues. Today, we will be talking with her about how to tell true spiritual teachers from false gurus, warning signs that your guru may have gone bad, how to recover your personal power after surrendering it to a false guru. An expert on spiritual psychology, Shiva has studied many spiritual disciplines, including Hermetic Kabbalah, Rosicrucian Alchemy, Kundalini Yoga, and Tantra. In 2005, she created Alchemical Yoga to help people apply the practices of ancient spiritual systems, such as healthy diet and meditation, to their busy lives today. Welcome, Shiva, to the Authentic Living Show, and thank you for talking with us today. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, we're so glad to talk about this very, very important topic. I think it's probably one of the most important topics that we have to talk about today in this world of, of sort of new age and new thought movement and uh, the groundswell that says what is really spirituality. So I think it's really, really important that we have this conversation. I agree. 
so many people are uh, waking up and starting to look for uh, methods to support their process. And, um, you know, it's important to be alert to what kinds of things might lie in wait along that journey. Absolutely, absolutely. And what lies in wait is we might end up following someone who doesn't, uh, might lead us the wrong way. I guess the first thing that I want to talk about is the following process. Uh, because I think that's so important for us as, as, as the followers, basically, to, to discuss is how do we get into the mode of following? Well, it's part of our social conditioning that we're taught from a very young age to comply with authority. Um, and those authorities are, are that which is outside of us. Um, we don't have a lot of systems to support uh, the individual in accessing their own inner authority. Um, you know, the child is expected to comply with the values of the family, the society, the school. You know, some of these are good because we do need to get along with others, but uh, in the process, we come to depend upon someone outside of ourselves to tell us what to do and how to do it. And how to think and what to believe. What to believe and what to, how do we, you know... So the spiritual journey really is about recovering your own inner authority. And through that process, you're going to pass through a lot of different um, experiences that are all connected to that, whether they appear good or bad. That is probably the most profound sentence I've heard since I've been doing this radio show, actually, that you just said, which was that the spiritual journey is all about recovering, say that again, our authentic... uh, in, in your journey, own inner authority. It. Your own inner authority. Your own inner authority. Very well put. Very well put. I think that's absolutely true. So, yes. Oh, go ahead. The God within. The God without is, you know, the God that creates the conditioning for us to comply with somebody else's authority. And uh, we have to come to understand that everything outside of us is reflecting that which lies deeper within. Mm-hmm. So... What we're really looking for is the God within ourselves. Right. And that, might, that God might look, talk, quack, you know, walk differently than, than the God we've been taught to believe in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And we've also been given a lot of mixed messages about what is spiritual authority and how does one uh, uh, go about exploring their spiritual nature. There's a lot of confusing ideas out there about that. Does well, can you give us an example with, of, of well, what you mean by that? Sure. For example, um, does it have to do with seeking wealth? If we're seeking wealth, financial wealth or material abundance, is that um, seeking that spiritual inner authority? It's not, really. It's mm-hmm. seeking something that could be an outcome of having attained your spiritual power, but it's sort of putting the cart before the horse. It's saying, I'll have the, the money and then figure out the spiritual things later. Well, you won't have uh, very much good control or power around money if you don't have the spiritual values in place first. Yep, I couldn't agree more. That's right, and uh, that's exactly what we've talked about just last week on the Law of Attraction Revised show. So, yeah, we do get the cart before the horse quite a bit, and, and the external mixed up with the internal, and it's so confusing because we have actually internalized so much of the external. Yes, that's the conditioning. I refer to that as the conditioning, and that is what we have to free ourselves from in order to really get a glimpse of the truth, who we really are, how powerful we really are, 
and what we're really here for and what that should look like. Yep, absolutely. So what are the things we should look for? How do you tell a true spiritual teacher from a false guru? Well, when you first get started on the spiritual path, make a commitment to study independently for a little bit, at least six months or so. And during this time, do research into different uh, traditions of saints or yogis, study the lives of some of the great masters and teachers, and uh, take note of what, you know, what principles they all teach in common, um, what types of demeanors they're described as having, how they live their lives. This gives you an idea of what a spiritual teacher is like. Then when you start to go out to look for the, the right teacher, uh, keep in mind it's not that difficult. They can really be known by their works, and they can also be known by how they present themselves. Now that you have the background and you've seen that the great spiritual teachers are compassionate, kind, humble, um, then you know that that has to be present when you go uh, along to get a spiritual teacher. Uh, if you don't see that, you know, you should definitely keep that in mind, that that seems to be something that's lacking with this person. Um, and then see what they do with their, with their lives in terms of supporting those in need. Do they support any charities or do they uh, give money to any, any causes? that uh, help people who have need, whether it's people who have need for spiritual teaching or they have need for food or clothing. Uh, just do some research and see what uh, nonprofits the teacher supports. And then when you go to the group meetings, talk to other students and uh, ask them how they're doing, what do they think of the teachings they're getting. And when you're in the presentation, be aware are you learning how to become the leader, or are you being encouraged to continue to follow? Are you being offered uh, opportunity to buy further training? Or are you really learning something in that training that is a value to you in and of itself? Um, and keep in mind, too, the true master is not the one with the most students, but the one who creates the most masters. Very well put. Very well put. Yeah, I, I think that that first one is where a lot of people get confused in the early uh, stages of of uh, cultic kinds of uh, identification where the leader portrays him or herself as a very compassionate, kind, and humble person, but in actuality is not. So what do you suggest about that? It's not, again, it's, the simpler you keep it, the simpler it is. The, the humble teacher sits in a circle with the students. The teacher with some ego going on sits up on a stage on a chair up above everyone. Okay. Um, the humble teacher you can approach. They'll talk to you, give you a hug, give you their time, their love, their attention. The ego one uh, has people surrounding them to keep people from talking to them or getting in contact with them. Okay. You know, their access to them is controlled. They speak in, um, you know, those teachers that are less desirable or interested in restricting people in some way, you know, like you're in the room, you're here for the training, you can't leave. A real teacher, spiritual teacher will never say, you can't do this or can't do that. It's your life. Okay. Very I mean, these are, these are basic spiritual principles, uh, you know, and the right dynamic for this teacher-student relationship is one where the teacher gives you the power and responsibility for your own life experiences mm -hmm. and is helping you learn greater mastery of those things, but not getting involved in your personal decisions. 
or, right. you know, re- restraining your movements in any way. Okay, so, so okay, if, um, if someone is teaching you to be, the last thing you said was that the true teacher doesn't have the most followers. He has the, he's learned to make the most true masters, and I really like that. Um, so how can you distinguish the difference? As you, if you're in a group, in a presentation, how can you distinguish? I know you said if, if they wanted to buy, get you to buy more stuff, that's pretty clear, but are there other things that we can look for? Sure. They, they usually uh, claim to have extensive training, special knowledge, or divine revelations. Um, a simple rule for that one is the bigger the claims, the more likely it is that the guru is suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, the lack of humility, the uh, elevating themselves, giving themselves a special position, controlling access. Uh, their wealth is accumulated solely for themselves. They're, again, going to push people beyond their comfort levels, uh, trying to control their personal movements, food intake, that sort of thing. They're looking to uh, get power over people. Um, they're also very charismatic and attractive, and it's important to keep in mind that the things from the dark side are very subtle. They're not always so obvious. You know, the, the, for uh, something negative to do any, uh, to, to be present, it has to pr- appear to be good. In other words, it, the bad guru is not going to stand up and say, I'm, I'm bad and this is what I'm about. They're going to look exactly the opposite. So you need to keep your reasoning powers intact. And uh... Okay. Well, we're going to come back to that in just a moment, right after the break. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living, and we're talking to Shiva Aima today about how to know whether your guru is gone bad. Back in just a minute. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. 
and I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today with Shiva Aima about um, how to know when you've uh, run into a charlatan or, or a sort of quote-unquote bad guru. Uh, last segment, we talked about how you might tell a true spiritual leader from a false guru, and you mentioned compassion, kindness, and humbleness and uh, support for those in need. You also mentioned that, uh, and those would be the signs of a, of a good spiritual teacher, and you mentioned that we should be able to talk to other students and, uh, you know, that, that, that a, a false guru would try to restrict you or tell you how to think or how to do and that a true guru would want you to be the, uh, train you to be a leader, not a follower. So those are some of the ways that we've already talked about. And um, you also mentioned that they would, have, they would make claims to have special knowledge and they'd elevate themselves and that kind of thing. So... Um, we talked during the break a little bit about how the, their speech patterns work. What, tell us about that. What, how does a, a, a false guru get someone to follow them through these speech patterns? Um, they, it's a, there's a rhythmic way of speaking and presenting that, you know, remembering speech is vibration, so it's a power. And when it's used to recite prayers or mantras or chants of some sort, it actually does change energy, and people do experience that. If you've ever been to a sacred singing gathering or chanting gathering, you know that it changes your consciousness to be in the presence of that vibration. Likewise, there are patterns of speech that can be used that put people into a sort of hypnotic state. Uh, Then during this uh, subtle, altered hypnotic state, um, suggestions can be introduced and Anchors can be introduced that um, cause the person to respond to um, sales pitches. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, so if that's I'm the, a sort follower, of the beginning of mind control is you know that's really the beginning of the mind control. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, and 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 what you said was that if they are already involved with this person, it's harder to get out of being involved once they've been sort of hypnotized through that once vibration Once you've change. been subjected to mind control methods, it is more difficult to objectively see what is going on because now the teacher and the inner circle of the teacher can use certain cue words to trigger you to stay connected. Okay, okay. 
That's pretty scary stuff. It is, but it's not unheard of in sales uh, and marketing in uh, the United States. Yep, yep, I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, so... Okay, if I'm a, if I'm a follower and I'm all got a big fantasy about I'm going to get a lot of wealth, and this is just an example. There could be all kinds of ideas about myself that I want to engage, but we're going to talk to, about money just because it's easy. Um, if I'm somebody that has that, then I've got already some fantasy that I'm going to somebody's going to provide me with a pathway to get my money really quickly. And if a guru comes along that says, "Okay, here's the way." that I'm more susceptible already just because I've got that hook inside me. Can you speak to that a little bit, how we get disempowered by that? Yes, sure. It all comes down to power. Money is just a symbol of power. Wealth is a symbol of power. A better job is a symbol of power. Everything is representing in some way your power. Now, notice how they're all outside of you. Again, you're looking for the inner power, but you're doing it through outer things that represent or symbolize that power. When you're going into a power dynamic with a powerful being, which gurus, both good and bad, are generally very powerful people, um, then you're, that's exactly what you're looking for, your own power. And uh, because you do, no one is telling you up front that it's actually inside of you and all they're doing is mirroring it for you, um, you can become uh, very susceptible, uh, vulnerable to uh, gurus who might take advantage of that dynamic. Yeah, very well said, and and that is exactly right. They are mirroring for us our power, and that's part of the, one of the things I heard when you were talking earlier about how we need to take some time before we get a guru or a teacher. We need to take some time on our own and do our own research, and part of that process is deciding what we do and don't agree with about what we read, and, and that is our own personal authority. Right. You, your inner authority, your own inner authority is the only thing that really matters, but that is so um, occluded for most people, you know, covered over with conditioning. And most people's experiences of their own power have been uh, turned into fear from a very young age, you know, so that when power is present, the emotional feeling is fear. So we're kind of frozen, you know, uh, in, the, in those moments when we're in the face of very great power. Yep. Very well said. You know, I I was thinking, too, that um, one of the things that's real important to recognize here is that our our ability to draw boundaries gets precluded in this. We don't have much. You you mentioned that the gurus will, uh, false gurus will often restrict. um, And and one of the things I was thinking about was our, our sense of learning, our conditioned idea about what learning is, is that we sit down, shut up, and listen to somebody else, and they tell us how to think and what to believe, and that's how we learn. And then we regurgitate, regurgitate the information that they've given us, and that says we've learned something. But what you're talking about with regard to inner authority is much, much deeper than that kind of learning. It's the kind of learning that is an inner journey that is a process of discovery of yourself. Yes, there's, this is the true teacher. The inner teacher is the true teacher. And that's what you're always looking for, and that's what all good teachers are trying to help you wake up to, get it awoken, you know, get rid of the conditioning, get rid of the restrictions that you've put on yourself and face whatever um, is blocking it and then get access to it. Um, you know, that's, that's really what... Uh, the whole point of the spiritual journey is about. Mm-hmm. And uh, for many people, their fear of their own power is so great that they uh, go continually after 
powerful teachers who often exploit that. You know, I've, I, I've worked with gurus as well as their followers, and uh, I know that one uh, teacher said to me at one time in regards to their students, if the student isn't taking their own power, I will. Oh, wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, now, some, sometimes in some traditions, especially in the tantric traditions, that can be an okay statement because that teacher's saying, I'm going to take your power because you're not, and I'm going to hold it for you and show it to you over and over again until you're ready to take it, and then I'm going to give it back to you. Okay. You know, okay. so that there could be a good use of a positioning like that. But for most uh, human people that are teachers, especially in the West, um, that's a very uh, shaky proposition. Yeah, and I would say inside the follower, then, there's this giving away. There's this, I'm giving away my power to someone else. I don't think they ever, I think they gave it away a long time ago. I agree. Before they ever came to that teacher. It was already given away. It's already been taught that everyone else has power and you don't. That's right. Uh, Especially authorities, spiritual Mm -hmm. teachers, people who appear to be powerful, meaning they have all the symbols of power. They have wealth and they have property and they have title and they have fame and all of these false illusions that have nothing to do with true spiritual power. That's right. Okay, so let's let's talk about the warning signs that your guru may have gone bad. So you've got a guru now, and so what? Let's say, let what are some of the warning signs that you so, might look? Sorry, for? they started out okay, but something changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the chances are something was already there in the beginning. Yeah. Um. You know, it you you're going to see people. You'll start to see people getting hurt. Either they get hurt emotionally, or they get hurt physically. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be observing the guru and the inner circle of the guru um, not responding to the pain of the students in an appropriate way. And I was reminded when you said that of the um, uh, with uh, the um, sweat lodge disaster, what I read was that um, uh, there was a lot of verbal abuse going on and that, that uh, they were told that if they couldn't hang in there in the sweat lodge that they were just weak and it was not spiritual for them to leave and that kind of stuff. Right. I really, uh, as a person who spent a lot of time with Native teachers in my past, uh, I really don't think we can call this a sweat lodge. This was uh, an endurance test involving some uh, small structure that, you know, where steam and heat was released and also perhaps some things were burned as well. Um, And, you know, that this was done apparently after people had been uh, fasted from food and water for uh, more than two days. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's not a sweat lodge. That's uh, some kind of an endurance test or um, some distortion of what somebody thinks uh, some uh, spiritual ceremony should be about, which is quite sad. Yeah, is it true? Am I, do I have this right that it, that if a, that a false guru would would encourage punishment of your body, whereas a true teacher would not? Yeah, the true spiritual teacher will tell you that the body is the most important thing that you have in this life. It's the vessel that's carrying your spirit through its life's journey, and it's a it's a huge part of the spiritual path. Every major spiritual tradition has uh, f- uh, some period of time that is focused on purifying the body, whether it's 
through fasting or through uh, detoxification. But that doesn't um, mean that you have to do it exactly the way the teacher says you have to do it or that it's done under any kind of duress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to come back in just a few more minutes to talk some more with Shava Aima about how to know if your guru has gone bad. Tune back in again. Don't miss this. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, a school built to help you follow your dreams and help your world. And we're talking today to Shava Aima about uh, the guru gone bad. And we've talked a little bit about how you tell a true spiritual leader from a false guru and some warning signs that your guru may have gone bad. And I uh, wanted to talk about the whole idea of money, the, the idea of well, how much money is being exchanged here with regard to the false guru. 
Yes, you know, the, money is is an issue in the Western uh, world because in India and other other places in the East, a uh, spiritual teacher who has teachings of value to people uh, find that the students gather around and they pool money together and they build a school and they build a house for the teacher and they provide food and other essentials for the teacher and for the students. So the teachers don't charge any money. They will encourage people to put money into a charitable trust so that they can do good things to help people in need. Um, but here in the West, uh, we don't have that tradition, and so uh, the spiritual teacher necessarily has to charge money. They have to make a living, take care of their own needs, meet their own needs. Um, so it's not so much that the spiritual teacher makes money, but it's how they use the money they make. And those are the, that's the important thing to look at. So teachers in the West are to be commended for earning a good living, while maintaining integrity with money. With money. Um, after they meet their own needs, the good teacher uses additional money to create more opportunities for spiritual learning, to ease suffering, or to support some specific charitable causes. Um, and that teachers who are simply charging money and accumulating it to uh, get more personal property, more personal wealth strictly for themselves, those are the ones you want to avoid. But how will we know? Well, you have to do some research. You know, there's very, it's very important to take responsibility to do as much research as you can. Um, does the person have a nonprofit organization? If so, what do they do? Um, also, we shouldn't t- treat spiritual teachers in this un- money-based economy any differently than we treat anything else in the money-based economy, and that means we have to do our due diligence. And the simplest thing really is to go to the Better Business Bureau and see if there's any complaints against the teacher. Surprisingly, I saw reports after the Sedona tragedy that there actually had been negative reports made about that teacher to the local Better Business Bureau. So sometimes it's quite easy to find out, uh, you know, the things about the teacher. Uh, In terms of their money, if they have a charitable organization or they're linked to any charitable organizations, if not, why not? Find out more. And can't you request the, uh, a summary of the expenses of a, of a uh, not-for-profit organization? Yes, in some cases that's true, and there are organizations on the Internet that have the database. So if you have the nonprofit name or the tax uh, ID number for the nonprofit, then you can submit that and you can see their, uh, all of their financial reports. You can also see you know, if there's any uh, negative reporting on them. That's a good plan. Okay, so, okay, how would one begin to recover personal power after surrendering it to a false guru? For people who've been in, involved with uh, false teachers, the, the, the thing that the teacher is most after is to delay the awakening of the full power of the follower. And so it can be very subtle. But once the uh, teacher has been revealed to be... Um, you know, contaminated by the dark forces or um, to have erred on the, in his or her own path in some way, um, then, you know, there's like definitely some wounding that occurs for the student. And it's important for them to seek uh, some guidance and support from uh, someone who, uh, you know, can, can counsel them around issues of power imbalances. Um, it's very important to get as much information as possible about uh, the false guru, the methods they use, to get educated, to understand what you've been through. Um, and you can do that in, online in different ways. There's 
uh, rickross.com, has a lot of information about many, many different groups and, and uh, spiritual teachers, um, including, you know, a lot of commentary and information on the latest uh, Sedona tragedy. That's redcross.com? Rick, Rick Ross. Oh, Rick, okay. Rick, Rick Ross. Ross. He's an occult expert, uh, but he's created a website that has links to lots of different teachers and organizations, and you can read information from former followers and things like that. These things are very therapeutic, so to have access to former followers and to read uh, what other people have been through it, because uh, the teacher, the student feels very isolated and very oftentimes uh, foolish and, you know, thinking, how could I have gotten involved in such a way? And it's really important to understand that the mind control methods are very powerful and it is uh, not your uh, fault. No one's at fault. There's no blame. And the important thing is to see that part of it comes from the fact that you're looking for power outside of yourself and so take every step that you can to now turn that same amount of energy and attention toward finding the power within yourself and get all the help that you can find around you to do that. Yeah, and we have really, and not only are we in a society that sort of conditions us to learn from others and respect authority more than ourselves, but we're also in a world in which we're taught that to claim our personal power means we're arrogant or selfish. Yes, that's the conditioning around the power, it's, and it's all about fear. You're not going to be liked if you're selfish. You know, mm-hmm. people aren't going to like you. It's a fear. It's a really primal fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. The distortion of the human's power uh, begins in infancy and is built on steadily through societal conditioning throughout the, their entire lives. And then there are people out there who will take advantage of that psychological reality and uh, specifically look to manipulate that further to, to uh, use it for their own ends. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that, that whole idea of, of, uh, of what you just said about it, it starting in infancy and building from there is so, so very true. And I, I just wanted to reiterate that because uh, this isn't something that started at the beginning of when the, when they met this guru. It's something that started way before that. That's right. It's a it's a it's the primal wound. It's the the basic struggle for survival. Uh, are you going to survive or not? The power uh, over that rests in the hands of someone else the minute you're born. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so everything else is built on top of that initial experience of power, and in order to reclaim power and get power back, uh, we have to f- go through fear and face the fear and, and reassociate power with power and take it away from the association with fear. I have a few different methods that I use with people to help them attain that. Okay. Okay. Would you be willing to share? Can are, are there things that you can verbalize? Sure. It's a bit long. It's a kind of a long process. But the very first step that everyone can take is to just put your awareness on it. Just put, you know, awareness in itself changes a lot of things because before it was happening unconsciously, and now there is awareness, and that's a big difference. And things start to shift just by awareness. So become very aware whenever you're in a dynamic with someone. When you start to feel fearful or anxious or doubtful about yourself and say to yourself, 
I feel fear or I feel doubt or I feel anxiety, therefore power is present. Okay. You know, just to start to, to become aware of when you're feeling it, being able to say mentally to yourself that you're feeling it, that puts you more in a position of witnessing it, and that brings greater awareness than just simply being driven unconsciously by it. Yes, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, that is so very important that we pay attention. We've been taught, you know, since childhood we've been taught to do one thing at a time, and so we don't believe that we can pay attention to what's going on inside of us while we're also paying attention to what's going on outside of us. Right. Well, most people will be aware that it, when they're in a dynamic with somebody who has power over them, like the boss or, um, you know, the police or some authority, they, most people will have a feeling of anxiety or fear arising. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, or, or a feeling of submissiveness in some way, which people can do even with professionals like medical doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, people typically just submit. They yield their reasoning powers. The, the minute you start to realize that you're in a position of submission or that you're feeling fear or that you're feeling uh, intimidation, you, you know, people are generally aware that they're feeling that way, and it paralyzes them and they can't uh, actually break themselves out of it. Uh, and that's how it continues. So what I'm suggesting is that you just start to separate your your thoughts from the emotion in that moment in which it's happening by making it more conscious for yourself, by putting it in the form of a of an actual statement to say to yourself, I feel fear, I feel doubt, I feel submissive. Right. So you start to connect that this is what you're doing and that it's actually coming from you. Excellent. Very, very good. Sort of like, a little bit like the mindfulness process where you're just kind of tuning in. Yeah, but it's in not so much tuning into the quietness as it is tuning into the, to the fear and the turmoil. Yep. yep. You know, otherwise, it's just operating without your conscious awareness. Yep, that's right. Well, that's wonderful. And so, so what you're saying is not only can we understand uh, how to tell a spiritual teacher, but we can actually recover from that, it doesn't have to damage us for the rest of our lives. Actually, if you face it and deal with it in the right way, it will empower you like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similarly to people who actually go through, all the way through to the other side of having been abused in some way as a child, they, they can learn so much from that experience about themselves and about personal empowerment, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that uh, it's, a, it's a similar dynamic, I imagine. Yes, well, this is even more, this is even deeper than the emotional level. This is at the level of your spirit, the level of who you really are, mm-hmm. and which is beyond all things that happen in this life. And that's the part of you that can get very, very strong um, by handling these kinds of encounters with the dark side in a masterful and powerful way. Yep, wonderful. There's a lot of hope in there. Sure, sure. Nothing happens that isn't for your highest good in some way, even if it doesn't seem so in the beginning. If you use obstacles wisely, they serve your path as well. Yep, I so agree, so agree. So, okay, uh, we just have a few more minutes before the break, and we can finish this after the break if we don't get to do it right now. But I want to talk a little bit about, well, well, you know what? We're going to talk just a little bit about karma between the student and the teacher when we get back on the, after the break. We'll be back in just a moment. 
media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final segment of Authentic Living. We're talking today with uh, Shava Aima with regard to how to tell a true spiritual teacher from false guru. And uh, we've gotten a lot of information from Shava about this, and I'm really, really pleased that she's been on the show. So I want to give just a few minutes before we uh, move on to karma between the student and the teacher uh, to talk, uh, let you guys out there, listening audience, know more about uh, Shiva and her work and what she's up to. So you want to fill us in there? Thanks, Andrea. Yeah, I uh, teach um, people privately and in group settings uh, how, how to do these things we're talking about, how to access your spiritual power. And I offer a lot of different methods and techniques that support people in their spiritual journey. Um, I do this, uh, I do sessions with people by phone and uh, also in person. Uh, that includes, you know, uh, forecast sessions, destiny, soul destiny readings, and uh, 
soul analysis profile uh, sessions, which are really useful psychological tools for spiritual development. I'm the executive director of Enlightened Life Sanctuary, an international nonprofit organization that's dedicated to awakening the divine within everyone and also to creating a sustainable and enlightened life on earth. The best way to contact me is through the Enlightened Life website. It's enlightenedlife.org, O-R-G. It's a nonprofit, enlightenedlife.org. Very good. Thank you so much for sharing that information, enlightenedlife.org. Okay, well, I want to spend just a few more minutes before we have to go uh, talking about, uh, you mentioned during the break that, that sometimes there are karmic connections between a guru and his student, his or her student, and uh, I want to touch on that just a minute to see how that could fit into what we're talking about. Sure. It's very uh, important to be mindful of, you know, your personal journey in this life has to do with learning certain lessons and having particular encounters with particular people that you've had experiences with in the past. And that certainly is true very strongly when it comes to individual souls and their, their spiritual teachers, both good and bad. Those are all karmic connections of one sort or another. Uh, the teacher traditionally is said that to take on a great deal of the student's karma. A true teacher will, in fact, do that, and the student uh, will find that their karmic lessons are eased and their karmic uh, uh, complications become much less, and a lot of their karma, in fact, is uh, ended or transmuted in some way by the teacher's assistance. Um, it's also said that the teacher takes uh, gets karma for whatever the student does with the information that the teacher teaches them. So you can see that being a spiritual teacher is really uh, taking on a huge responsibility on a lot of different levels. And uh, when a t- student can find a teacher like that, then that is some very good karma indeed. Okay. All right. And just like anything else, when we have a karmic connection with someone from a past life, we might that might evolve into a really wonderful relationship or it could just be another bad relationship. Yes, I want to talk, too, about the people who are injured in the process of the guru being unveiled, which happens. You know, in order for some uh, people to wake up to the situation, then oftentimes the bad guru will be revealed in a very dramatic way, and you'll see their group suicides or, you know, uh, these kinds of extremes, like what we saw in Sedona, where people actually die which is tragic, but it's important to bear in mind that these people who came and and did what they did and gave what they gave did it uh, in a way that created great awareness for many, many people who otherwise wouldn't have been aware, and that's a a karmic destiny that, you know, everyone uh, has to be grateful for, for these uh, souls who courageously came forward to expose this man. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, we get a lot from that. A lot of things passed to us that we're not even aware of by by souls having the courage to do that kind of thing. Okay, so what we've basically said today is that um, we've been conditioned not to trust our own or to even engage in our own power, our own sense of inner authority. And because that's true, we are vulnerable to the influence of some false gurus, but we don't want to preclude the possibility that we can also have some really good teachers. So can you say something about that? 
Yes, we have to have teachers. Everyone has to have a teacher because we're all one in the end, and really all we're doing is passing on ever greater levels of vibration to each other as we go from student to teacher, to from teacher to master. Um, so it's very important to um, have in mind that we must engage with outer power in order to get our own power back. It's a, you know, it's a very uh, necessary part of the path. There's not a person, you know, only very rarely, who uh, doesn't have to have some number of outer teachers in their life in order to get to their spiritual awakening. So we shouldn't fear going to a spiritual teacher, but we should use good discernment, good judgment, and we should be aware that we're going after our own power and our own authority, and the teacher is a tool for us to use. Right. Okay. Our own power and our own authority. Very well said. And, you know, we talked during the break that so many of us in this day and age are seeking a, a, a path, a true spiritual path, and we have come out of churches, and we're now going, okay, what do I really believe here? What's really true for me? And and you said uh, during the break that we are sort of conditioned to the church mentality, and we're going to seek something similar, and I think that's very profound. That's true. We, you know, when we start seeking, we're saying we're, we know that we don't like certain aspects of the religious structure that we're leaving, but we're not aware of all the unconscious embedding of structure of how that the information that we know we don't want was actually presented, so that the formatting is basically the same. There's one guy or one woman who has the the power or the information who's going to share it with us and. Again, when you walk into that setting, uh, that person is elevated above you. Um, I, that's to me is a the, is a very big red flag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, so. Don't want, we don't want something that looks like what we're trying to get away from. But of course, we're going to repeat until until it's extinguished. Now, a good spiritual teacher would take a, a student like that and say, I see you have this conditioning, you're used to operating in this way, and you keep, giving me your, you keep giving me authority over you, and I have to, as a spiritual teacher, keep giving it back to you. Right, right. Absolutely. And ultimately, the conversion will happen. Yep, yep. So, yeah, and, I, you know, as a therapist, I have so many people who come to me and say, well, what should I do, Andrea? <laughs> and they're, what they're doing with that question is they're handing me their power, and if I were to say, okay, well, here's what you should do, then I'd be taking their power. But what I generally do is say, well, what do you think? Yes, I would say back. that it's not so much that somebody's consciously handing over their power. I'd say that they don't even know that they have any power to give. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. And tune in again next week to the Authentic Living Show. And remember, your job should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. 